can barely stand up. Wow. God's good, eh? When the atmosphere gets like this, I don't want to speak at all. I just want to lie down. Is it always like this? Is, is, is something stirring with you? Is, I, I've, um, I've felt it the last uh, few months. Have you felt something stirring the last few months? Um, God has seasons and times, doesn't he? And, um, and uh, so I, uh, I don't want to get in God's way. I don't want to presume and just do a preach. So I'm trying to... Uh, Listen to the most important person in the room, amen. As leaders, we're only ever, at very best, the second in command. <laughs> we're never really in control. So, Well, well, God help us in the next couple of hours, because I don't just want to talk. I feel like God's doing something, and I feel like even as I chat, I'd far more appreciate you zoning out from me and zoning into his presence. <laughs> Because he's birthing something. So, you know, I, it's one of those moments, um, and, you know, you turn up to them every now and then where you're aware as, a, as an invited guest and, and friend in you're playing a little bit of a midwifery role. I couldn't do it in real life. My own son's birth terrified me. Um, but spiritually, I feel like something's going on with you guys. So you're not here to hear a preacher. God's, God's got you here to birth something spiritual in you. And um, to turn to Psalm 42, let's make that a start point. I don't normally talk this quietly, so don't worry. I will turn into a Pentecostal at some point <laughs> and start yelling. Because I will get excited. But when I get, can I use the term drunk in the spirit? Are we okay? Is that all right? You're not going to get too funny with me. Well, you never know. We're all different streams, so I might call some of it one thing, and you go, we don't use that word. And, but I just, yeah, God's doing something. My, my. And so what he's, what he's doing, um, he always begins by putting a longing inside of us for him. Longing always leads the way with what God does. Questions, frustrations, irritations, brokenness. Um, always lead to incredible moves of God. It's always lack that leads us to God. There's nothing worse than a smug Christian, is there? You know what I mean? Or whenever my church feels smug, I'm like, oh, come on, stop it, guys. Get, get hungry for God. And um, uh, where did I say to turn? Psalm 42. It's a good chapter, as good as any. Why not? It's good. All right, before we read it, let me tell you a story. Uh, my background is in boats. That was my first couple of jobs, was looking after boats. Um, if you think yesterday, I was talking about the fact I grew up in the Mediterranean, so I worked on a nice marina was my first job, and I looked after, like, Bond boats, some of the boats from the Bond movies, and Simon Le Bon's uh, boat drum and boats like that. And so uh, and uh, a while ago, I got invited to go on a, on a pastor's trip 
on a free trip around the Greek islands on a yacht. So I was like, yeah, I'm up for that, yeah. You hate me now already, don't you? It's, it's, it's already started, you know, smug. And <laughs> but I was like, yeah, great, all right, I'll do that. And about six or seven, I knew a few of the guys and then obviously got to know some of the guys that were there. But we were sailing around with this, with this ministry and the idea was we were supposed to come back and plug their ministry, which is a great, a great ministry. And... Um, I can't remember their name now, but anyway. <laughs> we, were out, we were sailing around Greek islands. We were staying in little coves uh, overnight. It was cheaper than staying in marinas and stuff like that. So, and this one night we got in. It was about the fourth night, something like that. And the little cove that Skipper, who looked like D'Artagnan from the Three Musketeers, the, the Skipper has taken us to this cove, and, and it was full of other boats. He, so he got us around a table and said, guys, we can't stay here um, there's too many boats, but there is a cove, and I know it will be quiet tonight, but the problem is it's getting dark, it's getting rough out there, it's getting a bit stormy, and it's going to take about four hours to get to this cove across the open sea, and uh, so do you want to do it? Now, not only was there anointing around that table, there was testosterone, so we were like, yeah, come on then, you know, we were, so, so we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we headed out into the open sea, and it got uh, rougher and slowly rougher and rougher and you know people start to feel a little bit sick and stuff like that and one one by one each of the guys w- was was going oh I'm, I'm going down into the into, into my berth which is right in the bottom of the boat and then I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go lay on my bed and I'm, I'm watching all these guys head off down downstairs and there was it, it was getting rougher and rougher and there was an Indian pastor friend of mine who remained nameless but I've never seen an Indian look so green he was just like there's a big black pastor from London huge guy he wedged himself in the toilet and just puked the whole journey all the way across and I, so we're on this boat and and um I said to, to one of my friends the last place we want to go is downstairs right now uh, we need to do something so exciting we forget that this is a little bit uncomfortable there's a good leadership lesson uh, make make uncomfortable things suddenly exciting and it changes it and now this this was a, a, a yacht I was looking around where to go and there were three masts that stick up right and then there was one that sticks out the front can you imagine it a mast that sticks forward out the front it's called a bowsprit often has a net underneath so it's one of those type of yachts and so I'm looking around I don't want to go up there and I'm looking at the bowsprit and I said to Simon my friends Simon let's tie ourselves to the bowsprit let's do that so he was, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, come on, let's get. So we got harnesses and we strapped ourselves to the bow spirit as we headed out into the open sea. And at first it was kind of, you know, a little bit of, way, and we were screaming and laughing and having fun. And then it got rougher and rougher and darker and darker. And then our bums were hitting the water and it was like, whoa, whoa Jesus, mummy, Buddha, anyone, do you know what I mean? We were heading out into the open sea. And, and we screamed and hollered for three hours across the sea, screaming, laughing. We were wet through. We were hypothermic at the end of three hours. But I've got to tell you, it was one of the greatest days of my life to tie myself to the bowsprit and scream and holler and end up freezing cold. You know, when we got off, we were kind of shivering like this. And it was amazing. Now, listen, if you come up to me, not this weekend, but another time you see me and go, Remember the bowsprit? I'll do this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Bowsprit. You know, one of those kind of best days of my life. If you talk to one of my friends who went down to the bed and puked their way along on the journey, and you go, do you remember that, bows, that, that, that yacht with Jared on it and that journey through the dark? I guarantee a little bit of bile will come back up in their throat. <laughs> They'll be like, that was because seasickness is horrible, isn't it? They were like, 
And they will tell you that was one of the worst days of my life. And me and Simon will go, that was one of the best days of our lives. Same journey, different position. Position is everything. In this room, we're all taking the same journey. But actually, we're all taking it really differently. And it will, how you position yourself on the journey is going to define whether you go, that was an amazing adventure. Or whether you go, do you know what? That was just hard work. And half the stuff never worked. And I puked my way through life. <laughs> Hiding in the hole. It's funny, isn't it? When you're born, you can be anything. You know, little kids, you go to a school and my, my son wants to be an Olympian, an astronaut. When I was five, I wanted to be a waitress. Evidently, I had problems with language um, you know but you can be anything and then as you grow older life happens you're born with a lean in a confident lean in but life begins to happen I don't know about you I've been through seasons in my life when you start to lean back and cower from life a little bit and kind of I hope I can get through this I hope I can get through this leadership thing without too many difficult conversations impossible by the way and we end up leaning back in life and we're taking the same journey, but in a completely different posture and position. Do you know, even to approach God, you've got to have a lean in. Jesus bought the way, but the Bible teaches it's your confidence that gets you there. Isn't that an amazing thought? You're leaning. I'm God's son. I'm his favorite. Takes you into his presence. By confidence and boldness, we enter the presence of the most high to receive mercy and grace. Sometimes as leaders, we need to recapture our lean-in. And then even as entire churches, here's my little question for this, for this first session. Let's see how we go with it. The positioning of our churches makes all the difference. And we're at Psalm 42. It's one of my favorite psalms. And, um, well, let's just begin at the beginning. In fact, I'll let me do it in, in an actual Bible, not an iPad, because i got it all on here. Psalm 42. And I'm talking about position here. Listen to this. As the deer pants or longs for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you ever, do you ever have that feeling? God, your, your soul has hunger pangs. And let's be honest, we can fill it up with busyness, we can fill it up with ministry, we can fill it up with things that are fulfilling. When things are going well, we often fill our lives up with what's going well. But when it's not going so well, the hunger pangs still come. And here it's saying, I love this little verse. My soul thirsts for you, O God. And the line, when can I go and meet with you? I don't know about your feeling. My feeling in life is this, God... I know about the songs, I know about the sermons, I know about the moral codes, I know about leadership, I know about social action, I know about projects. When do I get to do the God bit? When do I meet you? When do you sweep into a room like in the book of Acts? When are there churches that cause riots in city centres? Where is this glory that was promised? When do we get to do the God bit? Most of our churches have our run sheets so tightened up, God doesn't need to come to church, we're too busy. We just go to the next thing on the list. God doesn't need to come. But my heart's cry is, when do, now? I tell you, I, so I'm here this morning going, I can feel God. I can feel God. 
Now, here's my thing. We, we have a choice now this morning because we're on the edge of something. We either play church or we push through. And I, I have to say, I can feel the membrane is extremely thin. And we have a choice. Together, we can push through into something that will transform our churches. There's a presence here. And it begins in your heart with longing. And let me say something a bit compassionate. If you're anything like me, you run out of longing sometimes. Anybody? Does anybody run out of love even for God? You're wondering whether you should agree with that or not, aren't you? <laughs> Can I be honest with you? My greatest danger is not immorality, it's dullness. Most of us got into this because we love people and we love God and we want to chase after the things of God. But for me, 30 years into ministry, the danger is that I repeat another year of ministry exactly the same as the one before. And I lose the longing and it becomes another sermon, another Sunday. But somebody somewhere has to break rank and go, no, we've got to push through the membrane. And we believe in moves of God. We believe in God moving in our nation. And here's my question. Where is your church positioned? It goes on here. I love my favorite verse. Let's, let's cut straight to it. Verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and your breakers have swept over me. Let me say it again. Deep. Something deep in me. Calls to deep, something deep in God. Or is it that something deep in God today is calling out to something deep inside of us? And our busyness, our plans, our run sheets could keep us from pressing through and going, okay, there's something I can't even articulate, longing for God. I can't even quite dare to dream that something more than just another Sunday service and another month doing church, that I, I dare dream that there could be more. But I want to shout today, there is more. There is a place where deep calls to deep for a reason. And what happens is he says, deep calls to deep, where? In the roar of your waterfalls. Today, I want us to position our lives in the roar of his waterfall. Remember standing at the top of Victoria Falls looking down and you can, you can see where they, they call it, the local name is the smoke that thunders. And you can see where the, the upper body of water hits the lower ground and there's this roar. Anybody ever been out on Made in the Mist at Niagara Falls? And you go out and you're like, man, you're right there. And, and you, again, you, now you're at the bottom and you're right by the roar. And there's this roaring water. And God says in this psalm, put yourself there. Because something deeper than putting nice church together will happen if you go there. Deep will call to deep in the roar of my waterfall. And all my waves and breakers, you won't learn this in Bible school, all my waves and breakers will wash over you. There's something about putting ourselves in his roar. The fact that God can come like a waterfall and change the very climate that we are ministering in. Most of our prayers are just fine. They're just said in drought instead of in plenty. But when we learn to change the climate and to position ourselves somewhere differently on the journey, God begins to break out. Does that make any sense? This sense that God comes like water. I remember during the Welsh Revival, one of the miners who got saved, he talked about the Welsh Revival. He had been in mining explosions. And he, he would say of the Welsh Revival, it was as though it was a mining explosion. The air was filled with divine debris. 
See, what God is doing is not a new technique. He's birthing a new atmosphere. So our churches feel different. A new grace is coming on us. But we've got to position ourselves, right, God, I'm going into the raw. I don't want to do tidy church. I don't want to have the worship all sewn up, the preaching all sewn up, the social action all sewn up. We're tidy, we're good, we're decent. Danger, we're smug. God, I want you. When do I get to do the God bit? God came to church. I love to hear the stories of God moving. Catherine Coleman arriving at her local airport. Uh, she would turn up and there'd just be chaos. There'd be bodies everywhere. In the end, they said, Miss Coleman, please don't come to the airport. We will pick you up from your house and we will drive you to the steps of your plane, but do not walk through our airport because when you walk through our airport, people are bodies are flying. We can't control it. Come on, that's the kind of church you want to be. The stories of Keith Green playing his piano and people around the university campuses are falling down in fields around about. Wesley turned the nation upside down and we often think of the method of what Wesley did. But actually we forget the atmosphere that is carried when a move of God is going on. While Wesley would preach, young men would go and get up into the trees, maybe hanging off the trees, listening to Wesley. And, and people that knew what they were doing said, don't get in the tree, because when Wesley starts to preach, you won't stay in the tree. <laughs> and through Wesley's preaching, you hear, ah, doof, ah, doof, ah, doof. Because there was atmosphere, and that's what we lack. Atmosphere that brings authority. It's the same atmosphere that here you've got Peter scared of a girl at a fireside. And then just days later, the atmosphere is changed and he's preaching. And 3,000 get saved as he tells them, we know who the Messiah is and you lot killed him. I mean, he's preaching bold stuff. And over here, he's scared of a girl. Something changed when he got himself in the roar of God's waterfall. The ordinary becomes extraordinary. The natural becomes supernatural. And the only thing that changed was the atmosphere. There was a getting into the roar of God's waterfall and everything changed. And all our little theories that we think, well, maybe we need to do it better. No, no, no. We just need to change the climate to get back where there's that sense of God's in the room. The atmosphere changes and God breaks in. Um, when I was six years old, I remember... Anybody heard of Terry Law? Living Sound? Am I going back far enough for some of you? Yeah? One of the first worship teams in the world that have that demonic thing called drums. You know, those were the days when we were a bit... Our church, you know, in the morning it was a piano and an organ either side. And then the evening it was a band and we were still unsure about the drums. Whether they're calling up demons or not, we didn't know. But we had, we had, we had Terry Law. And, and, he, and they must have let all the little kids, because I would have been about six... They must have let all the little kids gather around, around the stage here. And I remember sitting, Bethel Temple, Stowhill, Newport, South Wales. And I remember sitting there. And I could feel the electricity of heaven in the room. So I don't, I don't know where your theology is at, but I don't have any problem with lines like, when God walked in the room. Some, some struggle with that because we think, well, he's omnipresent. He's always in the room. No, no, no. But listen... In, in the Garden of, uh, of Eden, it said, they heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day. Paul says, the Lord stood by me. Now, there are moments when he, his omnipresence is different to his manifest presence. And the roar of the waterfall, I'm using it as a picture for his manifest presence. We know he's always with us, but guys, we've got to become 
We've got to long again to say, God, let it rain. Let it rain in our church. Let it rain in our Sundays. Let it rain in our youth. Let it rain in our kids. I remember listening to, do you know who Phil Pringle is? C3 Australia, great guy. And uh, we, we were asking him about his youth and his kids and his, his, his associate minister's kids. They were very different. His were quite rambunctious and wild and his, his associate ministers were more, more, kind of more placid. And, but we say to them, how come all your kids are grown up and going on with God and on fire for God? And this was their answer. They said, you know, every few years there would be a move of God that swept through the youth group. And they knew God wasn't a song. He wasn't a game. He wasn't a moral code or a preach. God was God. And he could walk into a room and you knew this isn't culture. This is God. That's what we need to recapture. That is what God is doing in the earth right now today. That's why there's a stirring going on in the church. Because he's saying, guys, okay, I get that we've got a lot of stuff together, but we need to recapture the roar of the waterfall, Pentecost, and say, come on, God, move in and around. Stir through us. Let your Holy Spirit pour out on us and transform us. Put in our lives in the roar of his waterfall. If you've ever been to a good old Salvation Army building, you go to the good old ones there's shelves on the back walls I remember asking once what are the shelves for and they said oh well that was when the fire was falling and the caretaker didn't want to wake till people woke up so he'd stick them on the shelves lock the door then come and let them out in the morning <laughs> here's a thought do you know what some of us have never been in a move of God and you never long for a meal you've never tasted before. There's a young generation growing up. Half of them don't speak in tongues. I don't know about, I don't know about your movement, but I'm talking about Pente- Pentecostal. Some of them have never been in that place. I, I remember times when God has swept through our church. We've had nine-hour meetings. People now, trust me, I'm into like 50 minute meetings as and when possible, all right? I'm not into long meetings, aren't more spiritual. When God truly shows up, people kneeling in the lobby because they cannot get into the building. The glory of God is so strong. People popping out of wheelchairs. I remember in 2011, God hit six of our youth group in the middle of a youth conference. I went and picked some of them up afterwards. They were lying on, on the grass outside, completely inebriated in the Holy Spirit. I said, What's happened to you guys? Who was ministering in there? said, oh, no, it's not what's going on in there. They chucked us out. (laughs) Isn't it weird how we have church leaders that chuck kids out that are overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit? Many of us don't even have a clear theology of what it is to be overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit or teach it in our churches, to tremble, to shake. Because some could mistakenly think that God's into lining people up and have them fall over. It needs to go a little bit deeper than that, doesn't it? But we must recapture what it is for God to move. I remember, so I scraped the one kid off the floor that I was supposed to be taking back to his mum and dad. And I was driving him back. And he said, what happened? He said, I don't know. Just something fell on six of us. There was like 500 kids there, just the six. And I just, it was one of those cloud the size of a man's hand things. You're like, something's going on. Three weeks later, it is though a cloudburst opened over our church. Um, we were in a six-week period of prayer and fasting. And, um, and we'd done that many times before without that kind of result. But God swept in and, and leaders, my own wife said, I feel like I've been born again again. Do you know when you're doing 
divine agriculture in the desert. And then suddenly you find yourself in a verdant climate where everything's easy that seemed hard before. That's what God moving like a waterfall, like rain is like. People that we had prayed for, every way you can think suddenly got healed. The same prayers, in fact, simple. I'll be honest with you, there was a lady, um, so our chair of director's wife, he's, a, he's the vice president of a multinational pharmaceutical company, so, you know, big in the medical industry. His wife fell um, uh, six and a half years previous to this, and she broke the bottom of her back, and she was in agony for six and a half years. We prayed for her every single way you can think. We'd thrown oil over her, Ribena, get her, get her to repent of everything she'd done, stuff she hadn't done just in case. You know what you do? You know, when you're just trying to find a lever to pull to make it work, we prayed quiet, we prayed loud, we shampooed her hair, everything. You know what I mean? We just, Jesus, we tried the Pentecostal way, the vineyard way, we did it all. Nothing was working. Six and a half years of begging, begging, begging. And then it's just like the atmosphere changed and it was thick. It was like you were drinking God. And I remember the meeting that we, we my her husband was stood behind her and a little group of us stood in front of it in this little meeting with 70, 80 people. And we just stretched out our hands. And, but I just remember the line coming from the Holy Spirit and the power of God was present to heal the sick. And she just fell to the floor on her back. And I thought, well, that's either really good. Or as he looked at me and I looked at him and go, oh, dear. And, and I thought you were catching. Right. She's lying there on the floor and she lies there with her eyes closed and then, then she opens them and looks at us two and we're looking a bit shocked and we go, are you okay? And she goes, I can't feel anything. And I thought, that's either good or bad. I said, have a wiggle. So she had a wiggle. Nothing. She got up, she said to her husband, Stu, come, let's get in the car. They got in the car. Normally, he has to drive really slowly and avoid every pothole and speed bump. So he, she was like, come on, speed up. Hit that one over there. Boom. Nothing. Hit another car. That pothole there. Try, go faster, for heaven's sake, Stu. Boom. Nothing. Nothing. Completely healed. Completely healed. The next week, she ordered a skip because you know what life's like when your husband does the cleaning for six and a half years? That week... She was picking up furniture and putting it in the skip. She's completely healed. The BBC reported on her healing. The prayer was no different, but the atmosphere was. God walked in the room. See, we're so busy with our run sheets, he walks by and we go, hang on, what's the next thing? Lion and the lamb. We're seeing lion and the lamb. That's the next thing. What's after that? Communion. Right. And God's walking by. I sometimes think on a Sunday morning, God gets on a cloud. and he's, He must start over Fiji way, right? He's, he's over Fiji way with Michael and Gabriel. They're going, right, let's go to church, guys. Great, okay. My omnipresence is already there, but let's see who wants me to walk in. And they're, they're sailing over Fiji towards Australia, right? What they're doing now, Gabe? They're on the fast songs bit, Lord. Okay, good. Right. Just, just, can we turn up yet? Nope, they're, they're just doing it. They're, they're giving the meeting over to these musicians. That's the devil brother-in-law there, but he can play the guitar, so they've still got him playing. Can we, can, can we turn up? No, they're being, what are they on now? No, they're on the slow songs bit, Lord. Okay, right. Well, uh, um, can, can we turn up yet? Nope, nope. They're busy doing church for us, but without us. Now, now what? Well, it's a three-point sermon. Oh, well, that, that guy's not going to let me in. That one sometimes does, but he didn't let us anyway. And he goes around the world and the whole world. Three fast songs, three slow songs. God's bored, we're bored. As if God, who designed the elephant and the flea, the buttercup and the oak, can only think to do three fast songs, three slow songs every Sunday morning. 
It's culture. It's not the Holy Spirit. We do church. We don't push into the deep cause to deep. Because we go, that's, that's a little bit beyond. That must be for shiny men of God somewhere. We just do church. And actually, this bit of paper is the Lord of this meeting. <clears throat> Remember one young man called Michael. See, when God's presence comes, sometimes people sometimes think, oh, you know, you guys must have learned a lot about healing. We don't know anything about healing. Our absolute love is the presence of God. But I don't know about you, I found wherever he is, just stuff breaks out, right? So there's this guy called Michael Lockwood. He'd had a stroke. He was profoundly deaf in both ears. He was in a wheelchair, and he turned up to a meeting. And he didn't get prayed for, so he was quite annoyed until the very end when our operations manager found him. So what's wrong? He said, nobody's prayed for me. Well, I'll pray for you. So he, he picked him up out of the wheelchair, and he immediately fell over, and his hearing aids fell out. And so he picks him up again and gives it another go, and is praying for him. It's a Thursday night. He is completely healed. His hearing and his body. He had, he had gotten married as a disabled man. So he was unable to carry his wife over the, over the threshold. Over the, yeah, the threshold. That night, two hours after being healed, gets to his front door, picks up his wife and carries her over the threshold. I mean, the guy today, is, he's so cool. It's like he's got an anointing to get cooler and cooler every year. I'm like, you're getting younger. Is this, there's an extra anointing fell on you somehow. And uh, you say to him, so what is your healing? Because this is the danger. It is not phenomenon. We're not after phenomenon. The presence isn't a thing. Or, oh, it's because you're in love with goosebumps. No, it's God coming to church. And what does that mean? Well, you say to Michael Lockwood, what does your healing mean? He said, I feel like a man. I can cook for my wife. He gave up his disability car. He started a market garden business. I can play football with my kids. God's given me my dignity back. See, miracles are the love of God being expressed. And when the rain sweeps in, when we realize it was never complex ever. It's just the atmosphere had to change. When we get our churches into the roar of his waterfall, the atmosphere begins to change. Hosea 6. Verse 3 says this, Isaiah 6, 3. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on. Everybody say press on. Let us press on to acknowledge him. The word literally means to experience him. Let us press on to experience him. For surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He's always been there, but when we press in, he appears. Right? He will come to us like the winter rains like the springs that water the earth. When we press in to experience God, we become climate change agents. We become rainmakers. Why are we here for this weekend? To press in to experience him. Say, God, come like the rain. Let it begin to rain over my church, over my home. 
as you reign on me, let authority explode in my life. Let my prayers begin to be answered because something changes in the very atmosphere of who I am. Something opens up when we press in to experience God. God swept into our church. I remember a lady called Lizette. She turned up in a wheelchair. She arrived at a hotel for, for the same healing meeting that Michael Lockwood came to. And um, the, the disability facilities at the hotel failed, so the staff were trying to help her to her room. And, and it was a bit of a rigmarole, carrying her upstairs and stuff like that. Why are you here? She said, I'm going to be healed. You watch, I'm going to be healed this weekend. And I'm like, okay. And uh, for four hours later, she's walking through the reception, pushing her own wheelchair. The Muslim receptionist gave her life to the Lord. When it starts to rain, stuff just begins to break out. It's all in the atmosphere of heaven. And something exploded. You know those six kids that were hit by the Holy Spirit? Something exploded among them. And they began to see deaf ear after deaf ear after deaf ear open. I stopped counting at 60 deaf ears in about five months that were opening. I remember my mum, she sat once at a, at a hairdresser's and the woman next to her, they get chatting, didn't know each other. And she said, oh, I used to be deaf. Oh, really? Uh, what happened? Well, I was walking through Hull City Centre and this couple of 15-year-olds came up to me and said, we've seen you got hearing aids. Would you like to hear? Um, pardon? <laughs> so I never thought that one through. That was... That was funnier than I imagined. Anyway, and uh, so they prayed for us. She said, they, they prayed for me, and I could hear, and my hearing's been tested, and I'm, it's 100%. 15-year-olds that one minute would argue over Justin Bieber or who was better or pick their nose one minute and lay hands on you the next <laughs> with the same hand. <laughs> I remember our, our youth leader, um, we were doing an event in, in a city hall nearby, and I said to the youth leader, look, get, get, get a few musicians and a backing track and some of our youth and go into the city centre and just do like a, an open air. Don't do that so much these days, do we? Do, go and do an open, just sing some songs, preach the gospel, see what happens. Anyway, I'm stood at the back of a crowd of about six, seven, eight hundred people watching them do this. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, our youth pastor, he turns into Benny Hinn. I'm like, I'm, you know, he has, he's got no hair to quiff, but apart from that, he was Benny, do you know what I mean? So they sing a song, and then he stops, and he starts to share all these words of knowledge. And then says, if you need healing, come to the front of the crowd. And there's about 15 of our youth with high-vis jackets on. And they're literally pulling out hearing aids, taking walking sticks, Zimmer frames coming away. People are walking, moving their bodies. I remember this one guy walked up to me in the middle of this. Again, atmosphere, not now in a church building, in a city center. And this guy walks up to me, says, you're one of them, aren't you? I said, yes. He says, pray for me. What, what's wrong? I've got a bad back. All right, okay, so I prayed for this guy. He fell on the floor, so I walked away. <laughs> so before I get done for practicing medicine without a license, I think I'll just walk away. But when it starts to rain, something begins to happen. One of our lads went on to a local estate near our, our, our church. We, Hull has got rough areas, you know, our church. Uh, sometimes we've, we've experienced before where people are shooting at the building while we're worshipping, which does wonders for worship, by the way, if people are shooting at your building. Well, just dance a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, right? And uh, so one of our lads went on to the local estate and he went up to a group of 15-year-olds and they were kind of 
six, seven, eight of them, something like that. And one was kind of leaning on a, on a bike. And he, he ran out and said, can I tell you about Jesus? And they said something ending in off that wasn't Greek or Hebrew. And, um, and, and so he argued with them for a bit. And you're trying to, come on. And then he says, the, the, the lad, half perched on a bike, evidently had a bad leg. He said, if, I, if, I tell, if, if Jesus heals your leg, can I talk to you about Jesus? And before they could properly answer, he slaps his hand on the kid's shoulder. He says, in Jesus' name be healed. The kid jumps off his bike and starts to shake his leg and grab his tummy. And he says, what's going on inside me? What do you mean? I can feel this thing inside me. feels really, it feels good. He says, that's the Holy Spirit saying hello. But how's your leg? said it's completely better. And then the lad begins to shake. 15 years old, never been to church. Shake under the power of God on the streets. The other lads say, can we have some? So they line up, never been to church, immediately go into satellite dish position. Never been. You'd think they'd been to Alpha Course or something. And they begin to shake under the power of God. A little group of seven, eight, nine-year-olds go, what's going on? The one on the end go, it's the power of God. So they go, can we have some? So they line up and begin to shake under the power of God. A policeman walks up, says, what's going on here? And one of our guys goes, it's the power of God. Do you want some? He said, no, thanks. I'm out of here. And he disappeared. <laughs> that night, 20 of those lads came to the church and gave their lives to Christ. See... There's a longing in the hearts of the generation for a genuine encounter with God. I love it when people walk in and it happens often and they go, you know, this isn't just songs and words in here. It's like a wave hits you when you walk in the door. There's something. I remember we do a little program on UCB, which is like 23 minutes of our Sunday service. Uh, well, it's kind of tidy to 23 minutes because sometimes they can be a bit wild. But we tidy it up. We edit it. And some people edit in real life, but we only edit for the radio. And so this tight little thing goes out. I remember seeing these two people come, and, and they were visiting. They'd heard us on the radio and were visiting. And I saw them stood at the back, and they were shaking violently under the power of God. I didn't recognize them. I came and I said, oh, hello, are you visiting? I said, yes. I said, right. Um, how do you know us? We listened to you on the radio. And she's shaking like this. And I go, so do you know Jesus? Not yet. Right like this. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so, you know, can I help you? She says, well, it's just not like this on the radio, is it? <laughs> I don't know about you. I want God to turn up. I want it to rain. So they go, what's in this room? What's that inside me? You heard of Tommy Tenney? God, God chases, right? So his, his family, I'll, I'll, this is my last story. We're going to pray a little bit, okay? I want to save time to pray. Um, his family, if you go back like two, three hundred years, were involved in building a chapel in a stately home near my house. So he comes over to stay quite a bit and stay there and visit it. So I end up doing airport runs, and I get like an airport run with Tommy Tenney to go, tell me about revival, tell me about, you know. And I remember uh, driving down to Heathrow the last time, and... Um, I wanted to ask, have you ever heard of Ed Miller, the Argentinian revivalist? May, amazing, remarkable presence man. Uh, I, might, I might tell you the story another time about that revival. But he's, he, he, I said, tell me stories about Edward Miller. And he said, Edward Miller once went to Australia where there had been a move of God, something like 20 years before. And now it was just tidy church. And Edward Miller had been invited to preach. And the conference went on and they had the first session or whatever. And then, then it was Ed's first time and he just got up 
And he walked onto the stage his first time to preach. And he stood at the pulpit. And he looked out over the heads of the people. And he was just silent. And he just looked. And then he just said, are you still there? And he said, when he said that, it's like heaven fell out of the sky. I think a lot of us are prone to being a little bit like Jacob. God's in this place, but we're not aware of it. There's heavens walking, there's, there's angels walking in this room right now. There's the availability of rain in the atmosphere. It would seem, if you read the Gospels, one of Jesus' most frustrating things with his disciples, he would go again and again. You're so dull. And I'm like, I'm always slapping my face. Don't be dull. God's in the room. And I just, you know, the moves of God that our nation has known for years. I think we need to look to the heavens and all of us say, like Ed Miller, are you still there? Because we, we want what the Wesleys had. Alpha's good, debt counseling's good, but we want you to fall out of the sky. So they fall out of the trees. We want what the Welsh revival had, but the Times would report on the front page something from another world is at work in Wales. We want those days again. We don't want people to just go, oh, the church is nice and good and they're doing a lot of good. And it's a big voluntary sector that really helps our nation. Thank you very much. Big society. We want the world to go. Something from another world is at work in these places. They push through the membrane into God's glory. Somehow God is in that place. Jacob, in that, after that dream... He said, how awesome is this place? This is not other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I love the fact that the house of God is supposed to be the place where two worlds collide. It's a gate. Heaven and earth meet where we meet. And people should go, how awesome, how awesome. And where does it all start? With you and me longing. God, God we've got to have you. Just stand in his presence for a moment and just see what happens. Just close your eyes and concentrate on him for a second. Don't approach God with your mind or your emotion. Approach him with your spirit. Down in your gut. That sense, God is in this place. There he is. He's moving. There he is. There he is. Let your longing rise. And as I was mentioning earlier, maybe you've run out of longing. Just be honest about that. You don't have to fake it. Say, God, help me long again. I'm a bit broken. I'm a bit dull. I have to say to God quite frequently, I've grown bored, God. Wake me up. Put your blowtorch on my heart. Put your blowtorch on my heart. There's a fire falling right now. His blowtorch is coming on your heart. His, his passion is returning right now. There's some of you who's burning away dross where there's been brokenness. Some of you are facing people coming against you. God's just burning, shaking off the dust. He's burning off the dust right now. There's a burning in your hearts right now of the Holy Spirit. There he is. 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 
There he is. Reshike brushi dabrondele rebobo shindala rebobo shile rebobo rebobo shikala rebobo. In the roar of the waterfall. In the, don't be down in the hold, lying on your bed trying to get through. Get up on the bowsprit and say, come on, God, I'm going for it. I'm going for everything you have for us. We're going to raise the dead. We're going to speak to governments. We're going to disciple nations. Miracles will be reported again in our land. The royal family are going to be touched by the glory of God. Parliament's going to be touched by the glory of God. Reshike, local politics going to be touched by the glory of God. Reshike, Briandolo, Rebobo, Shikala, Rebobo, Shikala, Bobobo. Oh, Briandolo, Rebobo, Shikabobo. Yes, Shikabobo, Baba, La Ribobo, Shidala, Rebobo, La Bobobo. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. That's it, let your longing rise. Let your longing rise. He meets us at the altar of our appetite. He wants to respond to the cry of our heart. He wants to respond to the cry of our heart. No more tidy church, God. We want you to break in. We want you to break in. We don't want to sanitize the Almighty. We want you to break in. Press on to experience him. That's what we're doing. That's how the rain comes. Be filled. Be filled. He's here. Push through the membrane. He's here. He's here. Hushi babu shele ribo bushi dabo bole redo londe ribo bushi ka. E ribo bushi la ribo bushi ka la ribo bushi da la bobo bo. E ribo bobo. Kebri bushi in the roar of your waterfall, in the roar of your waterfall, something deep in us calls out to you, God. In the roar of your water. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We're not going to sing a song, but I just want a bit of music. When Elisha called for the harpist, the hand of God came on. And in the same way, you just begin to sense that outpouring increase as the music begins to play. It soothes your soul so your spirit can reach out for what God's doing in the atmosphere right now. There are angels walking this room. I 
I'll tell you what I sensed as we sang the first song today, and I sense it in my prayer. God is roaring over your lives today. There's a roar from heaven. And I felt like we were the little band of Israel singing, but God was the great king roaring over our destiny, roaring over issues in our towns and cities, roaring over our finances, roaring over our health, roaring over our children, roaring over our youth group. God is roaring over your life. There's a roar from heaven. with the Holy Spirit and with fire God I ask right now that we would be baptized in fire in this room right now there he is, there he is, there he is passion, purity, presence the person of God, the power of God There's a fire falling, there's a fire falling, there's a fire. before him fire goes before him fire goes before him fire 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 
Those all night prayer times are coming back again. There's a burning of the presence of God. before. Push through the membrane. Use your confidence. Use your leading. You're a child of the King. You were born for the holy place, for the most holy place, for the very throne of God where rivers flow and fires burn. You were born for heaven. You were born to cry every day, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come today. Your will be done today on earth as it is in heaven.
most of the great revivalists you'll ever read about ministered from this place. That's why God breaks out in a nation.
you just pray in tongues, it sensitizes your spirit. If you don't know what to do, just pray in tongues. And as you pray and you get into the second and the third minute and the fourth minute, you'll find an intensity of the spirit begin to flow. We pray to you, God. Change the atmosphere. Pray in tongues, pray in English, groan and sigh and long. If you're dry, if you're dull, if you're bored, just, just tell him. Be completely honest. Say, God, put your blowtorch on my heart. Wake me up. I feel backslidden. God, I need you to burn in me again. Passion for your presence, a passion for your word, a passion for prayer. Burn in me again. If you're worn out or broken, just be honest with him. Say, God, heal my broken heart. Put oil on my broken heart. Lift me up.
turn to the person next to you in twos, in threes. Just pray for each other, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and fire. Go on, just turn to, just lay a hand on a shoulder and pray in tongues if you, pray in English if you want to. And receive. Drink deeply. Drink deeply. More. Increase. 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 this place. 